Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Playoff Mode. Rudy Salisa III, your host. You're one of your, your two most favorite hosts of the Goldcast, Rudy Salisa III and Raymond Salisa I. Rudy, he's gone into playoff mode. This is it. We're going to talk a little bit more about it after, once we get started. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast, and you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment, because if you say something amazing... You just might hear your comment read live during our comment reactions. But only if you say something amazing. Because if you don't, you won't get on. <laughs> That's right. Then we ignore you. <laughs> um, all right. So big episode. Lots has happened and lots about to happen. Obviously, first we're going to go over the Warriors Clippers game one. It was fire. We hope you saw it. You should have. If you listen to the gold cast, you most likely have. It was absolutely fire. And then we're going to have a little bit of an NFL draft preview. It's coming right up. And the question is do the 49ers keep the pick or do we make this trade with the Raiders that everyone's saying might happen? We have our thoughts. We want to know what your thoughts are. But of course, before we get started, as always, the greatest podcast intro in the game. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay and your number one source for local auto repair. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. <laughs> Boom. Do you need oil change? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Here we go. First of all, Raymond, we, we were, we've talked about this a little bit offline. We're going to talk about it online. Raymond, Raymond is the greatest fanalist in the game. And if Ray's the greatest fanalist in the game, well, then what the hell am I? And we realized that I'm a prof- professor of fanalism. That's my profession. That is my, that's what I hold my, my doctorate degree in, fanalism. And part of being a, fanalism, being a professor of fanalism, I'm not a fanalist, you're a fanalist. I'm fanalism. I'm a professor of fanalism. <laughs> part of that requires me to go into playoff mode. Playoff mode is very similar. It is when a fan... It's very similar to, uh, remember, remember Dragon Ball Z, Raymond? You must remember very yes. fondly the Dragon Ball Z cartoon. And remember when a character would kind of go into, would they go into Super Saiyan mode? Mm-hmm. That is what happens when you're a professor of fanalism during the playoffs. You go into playoff mode. Playoff Rudy mode has been activated. My hair is blonde. It is very large. It's reaching up to the top, and on top of it is blue and a little, the little emblem of the logo that says the city on my hair. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> my playoff mode has been activated. Game one, I was so rowdy. 
I was running around the house. When Kevin Durant got ejected, I cheered along with Oracle. It's time, baby. Playoff mode is here. Nothing is more fun than when playoff mode is activated, especially in San Francisco when we've had to sit through a very heartbreaking 49er season and just several years of mediocrity from the San Francisco Giants, and this season doesn't seem to be any exception. So to have playoff mode be activated with one of our teams, I have to admit there was a part of me that I realized, and I know I know there's other San Francisco fans that feel like this, there was a part of me that was just so pumped to be cheering for a San Francisco team that was good, dominant, and with a extremely high chance of probability that they're going to win the championship this year. And it was just so fun and exciting to cheer for a good San Francisco Bay Area sports team again. We haven't been able to do that. We kind of have these, you know, we kind of just have these glimpses of highs with the 49ers the last couple of years. And the Giants have just, you just, if you're following the Giants the last couple of years, you kind of want to rip your hair out because it's just, it's just brutal. It's brutal with that team. But the Warriors, just like it was last year, And the year before, it is a breath of fresh air when April hits and the playoffs begin and we can just cheer and root. And our team is the best team in the world. And our team is the defending champions. And our team is the one that is out there making it happen. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Playoff mode has been activated for Rudy. Now, let me ask, Raymond, has playoff mode been activated for Raymond? It has. And although I tend to get with because basketball is so much longer and a little bit more drawn out than the other sports, I tend to get a little tend to warm up slowly to it. And then I think right about mid second round is when I tend to start to get more when your hair, hair goes blonde. Yeah, exactly. There's a slow trickle effect. Um, and then and then eventually I go Super Saiyan. Right now, I'm just kind of watching, going like, okay, like, because I, I expect basketball is a little bit more straightforward in terms of the matchups and who you think is going to win. Although the opening weekend had some surprise upsets that I didn't think necessarily were going to happen, but the Warriors, uh, for the most part, stayed right in line with what I expected them to do to an eighth seed Clippers team. They got roasted, roasted. It was it was it was a great game, you know. Typical sloppy Warriors play, you know. Here and there, lots of turnovers, but Draymond Green really came through offensively in a way that we haven't really seen too often. He was looking a bit like vintage Draymond Green. Steph Curry did Steph Curry playoff things, and of course, we have to comment on the big KD Patrick Beverly fiasco. I mean, I must have gotten I got more texts about this fiasco than anything else. I'll be honest, I loved it. This is the playoffs, baby. Let's get rowdy. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to do some pushing and shoving. Let's do some pushing and shoving. KD was laughing. Patrick Beverly has a history. He's a pretty chippy player in the post. He has a history of doing this. I've, I've There have been previous seasons where I've been just like, oh, God, Patrick Beverly, calm down. But I loved it. I thought it was great. What, what did you think? What did you think about the fight? I, I, every non-Warriors fan was like, oh, this is so whack, and blah, 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 KD picking on Patrick Beverly, blah, 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 blah. But what did you think? Patrick Beverly is their, you know, their best two-way player. So, you know, it's it's no surprise, and he's their best defender. So it's no surprise that he's on Kevin Durant, even though Kevin Durant is unguardable, you know, because when you're seven feet tall, no one can no one can get that high, you know. And that's seven feet tall when he's just standing. That doesn't include when he's jumping or when he's 
cocking back to shoot, which is, you know, another three, four feet. You know, it's like Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki is the same height. So Dirk Nowitzki's shot was very unguardable. And this was the same thing. So I thought it was great. And, you know, I'm glad it didn't happen early to where those two players were, you know, missing for most of the game. I'm glad it happened in the fourth. You know, by then the game was out of reach. Uh, the Warriors outscored them for three straight quarters. They scored outscored them by nine in the first. They outscored them by another four in the second and by another six in the third. And the fourth quarter is the only quarter that the Warriors lost. And even then it was only by two points, a single bucket. So by then the damage had been done for three straight quarters, which is why the, the margin was as wide as it was. And to be honest, Curry was really the person that they should have been focusing on offensively because he just, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him from shooting, which he is guardable as, as a six foot three point guard shooter. He's very guardable in that regard, but they totally underestimated his rebounding ability. He had 15 rebounds in that game, which is huge for a point guard. I think he tied or surpassed his, his previous high in, in the playoffs. So I think it was 13. I think he got 15. So, But, I mean, offensively, everyone technically chipped in. Iguodala had eight. Kevin Looney had six. Uh, Clay Thompson had 12. Clay Thompson had a very quiet first game, not very Clay Thompson-esque. Draymond Green chipped in 17, which is unusual for him offensively. And Kevin Durant, you know, his typical 20-plus, but probably would have had closer to 30 um, had he remained in the fourth quarter. So, But either way, it was totally dominant. There was nothing, and that that rebound, that rebound statistic by Curry is only part of the story. You know, uh, total rebounds were fifty-three to forty, so eleven of those were offensive. So the Warriors gave themselves eleven second chance point opportunities overall. They out rebounded them by thirteen. They had thirty-one assists to the Clippers' twenty-four. So there was a lot more passing going on, a lot more ball movement, which is a very tiring for a defense to keep up with. Defensively, the Warriors were dominant. They had fourteen blocks to the Clippers' six. That's more than double. Steals were pretty much even. Clippers had 10. Warriors had 9. Turnovers were 17 to 21. Warriors had 21. Points in the paint were 40 to 44. Warriors outscored them by 4 points there. And the fouls were uh, exactly equal at 22 apiece. So to me, assists, rebounds, and blocks is really where the game, where the Warriors really kind of you know, asserted themselves. They asserted themselves in getting the ball back, whether it was defensive or offensive. Most of it was defensive, which is great. And the blocks were there too. So 14 to 6 blocks. 14 blocks is a huge number in basketball. If you're not a, not familiar with basketball statistics at all, 14 is a pretty big number. Six blocks would be considered pretty good on average. But to get 14 in the game uh, is saying something in terms of defensive dominance. I think the Warriors really turned it on. Klay Thompson was terrific defensively. Draymond Green is a terrific defender. So they have two amazing defenders on that starting lineup um one who's a former defensive player of the year and one who's probably a very underrated defensive player but who in my opinion is a top three two-way player in the association in clay thompson so um he's just very understated in how he goes about uh, in his play style which is why i think he gets a little underrated and underappreciated because he's he's very understated in how he goes about his business even his shooting is very understated but um, that's kind of what I saw about the game, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. I think tonight's going to be really good. I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I still think that the Warriors are going to, for the most part, dominate. They're at home. They have a one-game lead. They want to go 2-0 when they travel to L.A. 
which is an easy an easy road trip for both teams. But clearly, clearly the pressure is all on the Clippers. It, it was on the Clippers from the beginning. The, the Warriors are now in the mode, which is why we saw a dominant performance. And I th- expect that momentum to continue tonight. Yes, I expect the momentum to continue tonight. And last thing I wanted to say before we move on, I agree. Clay Thompson had a quiet night on offense, but his defense was stellar. I mean, you just he was not letting anybody get past him. He was absolutely suffocating for the entire game. And that stuff doesn't right. show up on the stat sheet. You know, that doesn't really show up on there. The fact that, I mean, he's he's not letting anyone in the paint. He's not getting anyone get past him. They could not dribble past him. They couldn't get, he forced so many of the Clippers players to pass because they just couldn't get past him. He wasn't allowing anything. And he, he really, he held his corner of the court so staunchly and stubbornly. And that was the most impressive part. It's only a matter of time before they start counting that. So in the NFL, the equivalent would be a hurry or a pressure um, those two statistics which didn't used to be in the NFL, but now are in the NFL. Before it just, just used to be tackles and sacks and less than that before then. But now we have sacks, tackles, pressures, hits, knockdowns. Um, there's all kinds of variants of defense that we collect in statistics. In NBA, it'd be the same thing. How, how often the player passes the ball because of your pressure, how many pressures led to um, uh, increased passing to, to just get the ball to somebody else who's maybe more open. So, And Clay Thompson definitely does a lot of that, which is why a lot of times when people think that he's having uh, – when he's having a, a crappy offensive night, they go like, why don't they just pull him out? God, he's so cold. I was like, but he's, he's just as valuable defensively as Draymond Green is, which is why he stays in the lineup because it's like, all right, you take that bet because the bet is – I want him in there because I know his defense is going to be there, which means that it's it's an easy roll of the dice for him because as a shooter, he's going to keep shooting, and eventually the buckets are going to drain. Um, Clay Thompson sometimes starts hot, starts cold. He's the only one that's a little bit inconsistent. not the best word to use because he's very consistent. He's a multi – yeah, Streaky's better. He's a multi-all-star player, so obviously he's very consistent. But in, relative to Curry and Durant, he's a little bit streakier than those two are. But – um, his defense is so good. That's why you always keep him in there because it's like, all right, the offense is going to come eventually. So you might as well just keep him in there for the defensive pressure and then let the offensive thing come on its own, which it will. Most likely to, uh, tonight, I would expect him to have a better game. Boom. All right, Raymond, let's move on. The NFL draft is upon us. It is almost here. We have a, about what do we have now? How many how many days do we have exactly? It's we've got a little more than a week. Yeah, a little more than a week. So here's here's the question that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. And at the beginning of the episode, there is a rumor going around that the 49ers may swap picks with the Raiders who are sitting at number 4 who are sitting at number four. Exactly. And we're at number two. And we may swap picks. Now, apparently there, there is the chance we may get a second pick out of the swap. So let me, you know, the question is, do we make this, do we make this bet? No. Do <laughs> we make this trade? Uh, do, do, we, do we make this trade? Do we do this? Because, I mean, who do they want? Who would they want at number two besides... In my opinion, Nick Bosa. 
They want to make up for Cleo Mack, right? That's in my opinion. That's what they want to do, right? So who do we, do we just say, well, as long as we get Nick Bosa, uh, you know, uh, Josh Allen or Quinton Williams, that's all that matters. I mean, do we make this trade or do the 49ers sit here and just take Nick Bosa? Ray, you're on the clock. You're the GM for the 49ers. You're, you're the assistant GM to John Lynch. What do you suggest to him? Because this is the big rumor floating around San Francisco right now that this may occur on draft night. Depends if we get an extra pick out of it. So, if I mean, you're, you're going to get their number four. They're going to get our number two. But at the same time, the number two is still worth more than the four. So it's like, give us, we'll give you our number two in exchange for your number four and another pick. So the question is, what is that other pick? And is it worth moving down two positions? And based on the Raiders and Bucks needs, are you willing to take that bet to go down the four and possibly lose out on Bosa, Allen, or Quillen Williams at that spot? Or well, you lose you lose one of the two potentially, or both, and then you're stuck with the third option, which is either Allen or Will or Williams. I expect Williams to be. I feel like Allen and Bosa are the two top, and then Williams is the third one. But again, William, Williams is more of a Aaron Donald um, type of player, not only physically and but also in his position. And we're already kind of filled up in that area, and we also have DeForest Buckner, who recently broke out. We have. Uh, Solomon Thomas, who we drafted the pre- previous year. We had Eric Armstead, who's still on the roster in a similar position that rotates in and out. So it's like, do you want a fourth person there? Edge is really what we need. We need edge badly. So we've already addressed one side of the edge with D Ford. Now you need to complement the other side of the edge. And your two best options are Josh Allen or Nick Bosa. So it really depends. You know, I, I would have to take a deep deeper dive into the Raiders to see what they want because we know they already have their quarterback. We know they already have their wide receiver. We know they have um, offensive line. Their offensive line is, is getting patched up nicely too. We know that they have – they could be thinking running back. I mean, running back is, is another need. Um, but I think why trade down? Why trade down to the second spot for a running back which that is, you know is going to be available at the fourth? Which spot? is not. That's why it doesn't make sense to me. So it doesn't make sense for San Francisco to make that trade. I think it's a decent proposal, but I mean the Jets too. The Jets. The Jets need a lot of. They have a lot of needs in, in New York too. So I'm not sure what. Um, what I, I'd almost feel like somebody else from position five and on would make more sense um, because they would have that need. But then, but then if we trade spots in that regard, you know, it's, it was different. Like when, when, when Chicago did that trade with us recently, they needed a quarterback. We knew that they needed a quarterback and they needed to go into that three spot and they gave up a handful of picks to us in order to get there. And we just moved one spot. And they were they were clearly competing with somebody else. And the question is, who who are, are if are, if the Raiders are competing with the Jets, what player in position is that that they need to jump in front of the Jets in order to take from them? That's a great question. And I will say this because they, this is they exactly already got Sam Darnold, so mm-hmm. you already have your quarterback that you're grooming. So who do you need? So here's what I'm going to say about this. And this is going to be the definitive end of the conversation for 49er fans. 
I'm going to decide as my one voice. I will alone make this decision for the all of the 49er faithful. (laughs) The answer is no. We're not doing it. We're not trading. We're not moving. We're keeping this spot. We have earned this spot through blood and sweat and many broken ACLs. So we are keeping this spot and we are getting the damn player that we were promised. We're getting Nick Bosa or Josh Allen, whichever one is available, because you never know. You never know what Arizona's going to do. They might not take a quarterback. You have no idea. But either way, we stay here, and we just get the damn player we're supposed to get, and we don't play any games with the spot. It really de- We have yeah. the spot. It really depends on you know, the scenario. We're, it does. And I don't, it see, does depend I don't on see any scenario that works. with Every team that's behind us, Jets, Raiders, Bucks, Giants, with the exception of the Jags, um, all four of those teams, three through uh, six, all of them, all of their needs are defensive. So if any of those teams moved up, it would be for a defensive player, which would put us out of exactly. the run for the three top players that we need. Exactly. So don't get cute. Just, just say no. Like the '80s slogan, like the '80s uh, drug Nancy Reagan's drug campaign. Just say no. Say stranger danger. I'm not talking to you, Oakland Raiders. Stranger danger. And then you hang up the phone. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. It's real simple. Keep it real easy. Don't overthink this. Just go get Nick Bosa. On Thursday, April 25th, go get Bosa. That's all you got to do. Make it simple. All right? Okay. Here we go. Last thing, let's move on to some reader comments. Man, holy cannoli, that that our episode, Can the 49ers Take the NFC West from two weeks ago? So just to refresh everyone's memories, two weeks ago we had our, last week we had our big NFC, our big gold dive on the 1994 NFC Championship. If you hadn't heard that episode, go check it out. It's amazing. It's the best. Now, the week before that, we had an episode that was, can the 49ers, as currently constructed, take the NFC West? And this kind of blew up Twitter. Twitter was all over this. So we're going to go over some reader comments because we asked them, do, we asked the, the uh, we asked our audience, do we, you believe the 49ers can take the NFC West? And if not, you know, if they can't, you know, uh, can we go 10 and 6 this season? If not, what is your prediction? Do we take first in the NFC West? That's exactly what we wrote. So. We had so many comments. Thank you so much. We're, we're just going to go through the big ones. We had, you know, we had a lot of comments of yes and no's, and, and those are all great. We appreciate those, but we're going to hit the big ones. So Backwoods Bully, he said, this team should be really good. Comes down to Jimmy and how well the O-line plays. We have weapons all over on the offense. The defense should be darn good with the additions and free agency. The secondary will be, weak, will be the weak spot, but how weak? Ray, what are your thoughts on that? Hmm. He thinks they're going to be weak. The secondary will be the weak yes. spot, but how yes. weak? Yes, it's, it's a matter of degree, right? So we're still going to have Richard Sherman. You're still going to have Jimmy Ward, who's going to play great for like three quarters and get injured. Then you're, <laughs> you're going to have, you know, you don't, you you have a bunch of question marks in the players we drafted, like Adrian Colbert. And uh, the cornerback, I forget his name. That's that's how memorable he is. Uh, that John Lynch drafted, who's who had you know some very you know mentionable flashes, but nothing that makes me think like he's going to have a breakout season. 
So I don't know. And the safety position was not addressed. So it's it's kind of a toss-up. I, I agree that it's going to be the weakest area, and it's just a matter of to what degree. It, if, if someone steps up, that would be a well, obviously a welcome surprise to have somebody step up in that regard. But as to who, I don't know. I don't trust Jimmy Ward. I think he's going to get injured again, and that'll be that'll be his last season with the Niners. You give him one more chance, and then that's it. I don't think you even shouldn't have should have given him this last chance, in my opinion. You should have just but but maybe they didn't have a choice, and they wanted a competition there because of who they're going to bring in from the draft. Because you obviously have to draft another corner again. You have to take another stab. You have to keep take, taking a stab at it until you get it right. Um, so. Yeah, I, I agree with him for the most part. It's just, it's just to what degree, right? You know Richard Sherman's going to be amazing, you know, but you need someone to eventually replace him because he's eventually going to move to safety. And then you're going to need somebody. You know, I don't trust Joukowsky Tart. He's still young, so I think the jury's still out on whether he's going to be a Jimmy Ward at the safety position or if he'll actually tap into his talent and begin to be healthy and consistent. Nice. All right. Next up, cool fur you. Cool for you is spelled the letter the word cool, then fur as in like a furry animal, and then you the letter U. How cute. Cool for you. The NFC is ripe. We can easily go eight and eight. Seattle and the Rams will not go easy into the night. I really hope that Russell Wilson gets traded to the Giants somehow, some way. But 8-8 eight and eight probably still misses the playoffs by, by a game. Uh, crying emoji. But moving in the right direction. I'd be happy with 8-8. Eight and eight. I will be absolutely ecstatic with any more wins. I feel like that's, my, that's how I feel. I feel, I, I feel like there's, there's two type of 49er fans that exist in the world today. The type that believe that, again, we're going all the way to destroy everyone in the NFC West is just going to be ours, you know, easily. And then there's the opposite side that are far more reserved and a little bit more on the, on the, on the, uh, I'm not going to say pessimistic, I'd say reserved is the best way. Not necessarily pessimistic. There are those fans too, but that's a smaller number. But I feel like there's a lot of 40 fans, uh, 49er fans out there right now that believe eight and eight should be the goal and is probably the most realistic as currently constructed. There's still just so many questions. We've never seen this squad as built on paper, Ray, put together. We've never seen Jimmy G play an entire season. He's never played an entire season. We don't know. We have like seven games in a 49er uniform. That's all we have. We don't know how exactly this is going to mesh. We don't know exactly what Robert Sala is going to do with his defense. Can Robert Sala actually make the current defense we have as constructive, formidable, and capable of protecting the lead. That is the real question, right? These We have a lot of good players there. John Lynch has worked his butt off to give Robert Sala something to work with. Now, the question is, what can Robert Sala do with it? There's just a lot of questions. As currently constructed, we have never seen this team on paper ever play a single game together because they haven't. So I think saying anything beyond 8-8 eight and eight when this team has only won, what, 10 games in the last two years, saying that this team can go beyond 8-8, eight and eight, I just think is, you know, I just don't know if what we have is worth more than four more wins. I don't know. I want to say yes. Of course, the 49er faithful in me wants to say yes, but like, cool for you, I think 8-8 eight and eight is probably the most realistic, but I, I think we'd all be ecstatic with just some more wins. I think... I think nine and seven is also realistic. Ideally, ten and six in my boat. 
I think nine and nine and seven. I would rather have. Obviously, everyone would l- rather have nine and seven over eight and eight, but I think nine and seven is totally feasible. Um, I think ten and six is, while less likely, also feasible too. It just depends on health. I think health is a big thing that is has to has been the Achilles, one of the the biggest Achilles heels of, of our of this uh, new era of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and the odds say that based on the last two seasons, the likelihood of having a third season where you have almost half your roster on IR is highly unlikely. Um, Based on the changes that have happened, I would have to side with history in this regard and think that for the most part, we're going to be healthy. Perhaps there's obviously some players that are going to play right into their, their own personal history of injury and we won't see them for majority of the season or at least half the season. And Jim, Jimmy Ward, we're talking about you. Poor guy, broken <laughs> in his body. And so I think that's, I, I, eight and eight is, to me, is conservative. I think at this point, you're the third season in. You have a lot of pieces in play. You've revamped the, the strength and conditioning and the health and the medical staff. You've re, the players who have injured know that they're coming off those injuries and that if they want to live up to the contracts they've been given, that they cannot cannot afford to become an injured-prone player. So I think Jimmy's obviously going to be playing for more than just two and a half games in that regard. So whether he lasts the whole season or not is still up for debate because it's never happened before. So we have nothing to go on other than hopefully, hopefully he does it. Yep. So I think 9-7 and seven and 10-6 and six is where I'm going to keep my my aspirations at all right okay here we go let's let's blaze through these we've got got, uh several more left daniel andres says the 49ers are going to the playoffs and they land nick bosa could be the best d-line in football what do you think raymond best line in football possibly yes without a doubt d4 deforest buckner uh then you're eventually going to add either a nick bosa or a josh allen or a quillen williams i think it's more of the former two Probably more Nick Bosa because he fits the scheme better. He's got more explosiveness. He's he's te- he's technically he he's got just as much upside as Josh Allen is, but um, Josh Allen to me is still a little bit more polished because he played longer in his collegiate career than Nick Bosa did. But Nick Bosa's just got astronomical potential, even more than his brother. So and he fits our scheme. He played in the forty three. It would be a natural fit for him to come and play edge in our scheme. Exact same thing here. What's your job? Your job is to get that guy right there. The guy that's going to hand the ball off to. Get that guy. Just get him every single play. That's the only job, and that's what he excels at. So potentially on paper, you already have a pro bowler in DeForest Buckner. You already have a pro bowler in D Ford. So one side of the pass rush is solidified. Now you need the other side to come together. And let's presume it's Nick Bosa. So then you're going to have Nick Bosa, and then you're going to have Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas, we know. He recently came out and said, we've, we've, we've been guessing this the whole season. He obviously had a personal tragedy in his life, and it was hard for him to psychologically focus on football and to perform at the level that he's expected to perform. And he admitted that, that that was something that was weighing in on his mind all of last season. Whether he's going to overcome that and be able to focus more on football and tap into his potential remains to be seen. But uh, him coming out admitting it is at least, in my opinion, a step in the right direction, is being aware of what's holding you back. 
And over the next step is overcoming that adversity. First step is becoming aware of that adversity. Next step is to overcome that adversity. So that's kind of a wait and see. But on paper, it could be great. It could be one of the best lines, the most potent lines in the entire league. So it's just kind of a wait and see. Like, remember, it's just half the line. The other half is great. DeForest Buckner, pro bowler. D Ford, pro bowler. Middle linebacker, you got a pro bowler, a former pro bowler back there who's coming off injury. So John Niner, a big fan of the Goldcast, always, always very active on all of our messages. He says, I still feel like this team is still another draft away from being really good. I like the direction, but still need a better guard, center, wide receiver, cornerback safety. Also, Jimmy G still hasn't even played one full season. We were just talking about that. I'm not going to have these crazy expectations. I'm going to going in with lower expectations and see what happens. I think this is and he's in the Rudy boat. We, there, there's there's a couple boats here. That's the Rudy boat. Uh, our boy San Francisco. I can see that I can see the ten and six mainly because the acquisition on both sides of the ball. We also may change the de- defensive coaching staff. Health is the focal point, though. We always said that, right? We've been saying that. Our boy Andy Laird, always very active too. He says, "I agree with Rudy. Thank you. Eight and eight would be a real step forward for the team." As John Niner eight says, "We are another draft away." Though he was commenting on that that, that post he'd already put up there. Then uh, let's take a look here. We have a couple more left. Oh, our boy Jabari Owens. Uh, this should be the front seven for the 49ers, in my opinion. Bosa, Buckner, Eric Armstead, D. Ford. Then for our linebackers, uh, Elijah Lee, Fred Warner, and Quan Alexander. So far, do you agree? Didn't quite there. He was he was kind of commenting overall on the defense. We talked obviously a lot about that in that episode. Mm-hmm. All right, then that is pretty much it. Oh, final one. Our boy, the Geek Freak. As a 49er faithful, I know most fans are looking forward to the return of Jimmy G, but I'm getting more excited about this defense, especially especially if we can get Bosa to round out this defense. Agreed. I think the defense is the big question, right? That's what we're all we're all wondering if, here. That's where that's what the big question. If you is. can get a first round, if if Nick Bosa lives up to his to the first round expectation and is able to become an impact player, just like his brother was when he got drafted by the Chargers, then yeah. And DeForest Buckner continues to build on his Pro Bowl season, and D Ford continues his pace off of coming off of a Pro Bowl season with no injury. Um, then that is going to take a huge amount of pressure on the weakest link that was mentioned in the, one of our first comments, which is a secondary, because the play is going to start the line of scrimmage. And if those guys can generate pressure, even it's just if, whether it's be a sack, uh, deflection or a pressure or a knockdown or a hit or a hurry, all of those seven things. So seven potential pass rushing one of those things happens that will make our secondary that much better because you're you're obviously disrupting the rhythm of the quarterback you're disrupting the the timing rhythm between the quarterback and the receiver whether it be the first read second read third read or fourth read you're also opening up you're forcing checkdowns which are typically not high you know big yardage plays you know especially if you got guys waiting to look for that which means that means Fred Warner the defensive line because um, typically those plays often happen behind the line of scrimmage. You check down right here, or you check down the the running back will block. Then he'll basically do like a quarterback draw and then sit right behind in between our defensive line and our linebackers. Either way, it's short yardage scenario. So that's 
those are really good things that can happen just off of having a good pass rush alone is you're forcing check downs and those also lead to picks too you're disrupting the rhythm the timing he has to force the ball out sooner than usual then you know you can get a good read uh, the, the guys that we have are good enough to to make those types of reads i expect richard sherman to actually have some picks this season um, based on the improved pass rush so i i think he's going to have some picks might even go get back i mean he played pro bowl caliber football last season just didn't have some of the statistics to back up what some of the other guys were doing on other teams so and that's because people aren't throwing to him if you're not throwing to him then wow he's so good they're not even going to bother challenging him that's how good the coverage is so you know all that's going to change and I think with with the improvements we've already made, I think it's going to be obviously a lot better. But if Nick Bose can come in and do exactly what we expect him to do, day one, game one, then then look out. You know, the defense is is going to be able to to hold some teams, and we're gonna we're not going to be losing a bunch of tight games like we've been losing. Yep. All right, Raymond. Well, looking forward to it. Can't wait. This is. This is the it's one of the most exciting times of the year. You've got NBA playoffs. You have the NFL draft. This is just a great time to be a sports fan, man. It's, baseball's in full swing, but it's not fun. <laughs> but but it is a great time to be a sports fan when we have all three going in one capacity or another. So this is a great time to be a San Francisco Bay Area sports fan. I love it. Playoff mode has been activated. I am here. My hair is gigantic. <laughs> Raymond, before we leave, why don't you let them know? Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at RaySolis and on Instagram at RaySolis1. And you can find me on Instagram at RudySolis3 and Twitter at RudySolis3RD. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay and your number one source for local auto repair. Also, the last thing I should say, uh, if you want to get on the conversation, most of these comments, pretty much everything comes, sometimes it comes from Instagram and Twitter directly to us, but a lot of what I was reading today uh, is coming off of YouTube. So go to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash thegoldcast. Very easy. You can go right there and you can add comments. We always have questions posted there on there. And if you want to see what the questions are, you can also see them in the synopsis of every episode that we post to iTunes uh, and YouTube and Stitcher. They're all right there so you can see his questions. Go on to YouTube. That's where everyone seems to really – that's where we get most of our comments from and that's where everyone seems to like to comment. Get a lot of conversation there. All right, gang. We will see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same Gold Cast Channel. Let's go. This is, is the Gold Cast.